When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Outkick 360 is back. We are ready to go. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. If you're watching on YouTube, shout out. You can join the chat there live every day at noon Eastern. And you can subscribe and ring that bell. That way you know we go live every day at this time. And uh, you're automatically entered to win a Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. Shout out to them. $2,500 value from Sony and Hertz Audison, the full car, car stereo system, giving that away to a subscriber to our channel next month. A lot to get to today. Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, Simone Biles withdrawals from the U.S. Olympic team uh, competition for gymnastics. Uh, that happened today slash, I don't know how you look at it. It happened this morning, early this morning. Um, we'll get to that plus the death of the Big 12 when we take a glance at the finances. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. I'm excited about today's show. Uh, plenty of news dropping early this morning, uh, as you mentioned, both in the NFL and in the Olympics. And um, yesterday flew by. I have a sense Paul today is going to do the exact same. Yeah. I mean, that list uh, of headlines right there is big. Biles, the, the big story, yes. uh, really. Uh, Chad watches morning TV, so he knows more about it than, than I do. I, I read about it this morning. I think it's very easy to kind of dismiss her as not being mentally tough. And I think it's very, I, I mean, I, I think, look, all the great Olympians have mental toughness, right? You think of all of the greats over the years. Like, I think of Kerry like Scruggs. Phelps. I mean, in gymnastics. And, and, and the gymnasts and uh, the speeds, Eric Hyden. I mean, all of these people mentally tough. I think it's probably too easy to just say she folded in a big moment because these things are complicated. But, you know, there, there, you said, Chad, you saw uh, or your wife told you about a speech she gave the team. Like, hey, I've been here and, uh, and I'll be fine. It's your time. Well, that team... <laughs> is relying on her scores to help that team win that competition. Now, I did see something By the way, her. this is directly from my wife watching it, says you can hear through her mask on the broadcast, say, you guys have trained your entire lives for this. I've been to an Olympics. I'll be fine. It's your time. You guys go out there and kick ass. Paul, your response to that was, well, we need you to right. go kick ass and win the yeah. gold. We we're planning on you uh, being here and scoring for us. I did see an interesting thing. I don't know if you saw it last night. Something of her, I think, that was taped after trials and before the Olympics where she talked about being 24 and kind of the mindset change where uh, when you're super young, you're super daring and you don't really think about what can go wrong. And when you're older like she is, you kind of do think like, 
you know, you're older and you've been there and you've done it and your daring kind of gets dialed down and you think this can go wrong, that can go wrong. I've been here. I know what the pitfalls are, the pratfalls are. And I was a little sympathetic to hearing her talk about that transition. It is kind of a, uh, there's a little bit of youthful naivete built into gymnastics where you just go and do the stuff, right? There's a, a youthful fun and braveness to it. And hearing her talk about it and always being dinged made it sound like she was aging out. And maybe she's aged out before our eyes, but she's going to go compete now in individuals probably, and that's going to uh, make you don't, wonder. I, I, I'm going to reserve any uh, critical judgment of this story until we know what's going on and if she's going to compete in the all-around uh, and, and in other separate apparatus events also. Uh, it, it's very strange because... And you brought up the example of Carrie Strug, which we all remember, yes. uh, with you know on one foot. Bella Caroli, you can do it. Right, winning the gold medal for uh, the U.S. Olympic team in the team competition with that performance. Um, she was not herself in the qualification. They interviewed her after the fact. She seemed a little bit off in the interview, but said, this is where we put the most pressure on ourselves. <clears throat> qualification is the most difficult because we're not in the big finals yet so you put a lot of pressure on yourself just to qualify to make sure then you go out there and have fun well when you go out there and have fun in this part of it i was thinking maybe a little bit of relief you would see from simone biles she went out there and she stuck her vault to start it but she was apparently planning on doing two and a half twists and she did one and a half i don't know if there was some mental block that was stopping her from going full on, full out with what she wanted to do. Sounds like. But with her coach coming back and immediately saying, you know, it's uh, when asked, you know, it's a mental issue, not a physical issue. It's it's just a weird story, and I don't think there's any way uh, to look good if you're her if you come out and go for the individual gold, right? Well, like if if a day later it, it just looks like you just didn't really want to compete for the team and then you go out and compete for the all around. That's why I need to see what's going on and what happens with the rest of the story. This uh, see Paul's Paul's taking the approach of it doesn't you don't look at it as a, a weak moment. No, I, it, it I, was a weak moment, I, but I wonder it's it's complicated, I think. It's complicated because 2 years ago she said that she really wasn't emotionally invested in doing the Olympics again. She had reached the pinnacle, she was the goat, and she was done. Then she decided to do it again. 2020 was postponed to 2021. They did a huge feature on her. She is the face of the sport itself. Maybe of the Olympics. She takes a spot. She is considered the greatest of all time. They have judges that uh, openly admit that only Simone Biles can pull off certain difficulties than others. And score, therefore scores. She shows up in Tokyo, and this is her quote to Hoda Kopi at NBC. Physically, I feel good. I'm in shape. Emotionally, that kind of varies on the time and the moment. Coming to the Olympics and being the head star isn't an easy feat, so we're just trying to take it one day at a time and we'll see. I'm sorry, but by the time you get to this moment as the greatest of all time, and that's your quote after one vault, I take issue with that. Yeah, it sounds a little bit too much like we were talking about yesterday, the skaters or the, the, the freestyle skiing people that are like, you know, sometimes you haven't, sometimes you don't, as opposed to the Michael Phelps, dead on, laser focused, I am here, this is my time, I will do it now. And if I don't, you know, I, I won't have any regrets 
and I won't make any excuses. It's it's not that. Well, and she's so she's 24, mm-hmm. and she has also had quotes about you know now I wake up in the morning and I'm sore, right? That wasn't the case when I was 15. She has to stretch this. in order to stretch. Like that's right. They do huge pieces on her with NBC and the Today Show and all the build up leading up to this. It's you get to Japan and it's a week long commitment, right? For this for this deal, mm-hmm. she has put so much time and effort into it. And she's reached the pinnacle of her sport. I just have a hard time coming to grips with taking someone else's spot if you're not emotionally invested in it, going to Japan, going through qualification, doing one event, and then backing out because emotionally it varies on whether or not you want to be there. It, once you make that decision that you're going to go to the Olympics, gotta be do, do it the Michael Phelps way of... This is it. I'm leaving it all out there, and then I'm done, right? That's fine. If you're emotionally, your heart's not into it, that, I get it. I mean, what these women go through to do this sport is, no, is ridiculous. remarkable. Yes. And it's, Including it's, Biles. It's harder than almost any human being on the planet could endure. endure. She so makes I don't it look wanna, so easy. I don't want to knock that part of it. But I will knock the decision to go if you weren't all the way in, and then if you back out, you know, one event into the, the team competition, and then you don't, even if she doesn't participate the rest of the time, it's okay to second guess her decision to go to Japan at that point and take someone, you know, they're doing these profiles on these athletes who are alternates that badly wanted to go and compete. That maybe that's their one shot to be in the Olympics. They may not be ready to go well, four and, years and, from now. And, and what they were going for, their third consecutive team gold. Right? Yep. Like making history in that category. And they settled for silver. Right. Russia ends up winning. Um, and that, that's the difficulty as well with tomorrow's news today with the, the Olympics taking place on the other side of the globe. Uh, we know the results before we see it in prime time. Um, and initially, just reading stories this morning, um, <laughs> Claire woke up and was just livid over the fact that she withdrew. She thought she was injured or something. And I immediately look at the story, and the initial reports were, after her first vault, they, reporters thought she was hurt. Yeah, well, that would be the presumption, then, right? Then her coach and Simone Biles both admit it's nothing physical whatsoever. I just don't know how, and again, she is in a category above and beyond anyone she's competing against. I don't physically and mentally know how you get to that moment in Tokyo after one vault and back out and call it a day. I, I, I mean, we, we, we pride ourselves in being able to identify the greatest of all time. She's that. I know that we... That, that's not this moment. And I know that we live no, this in... This doesn't live up to that. No. Well, we, look, we live in a time now where uh, we hear and talk a lot about self-care, right? And, and doing what you need to do that's right for you. There's a lot of... There's a selfish mentality, especially in America with a lot of things. And I understand a lot of that. You need to take care of yourself first and foremost at times. But there's, it's also okay to owe something to someone. And I do think that when you're in the Olympics and you make the decision to go, you owe it to your country to see through the, the deal, right? Like you made that commitment. You're there. Your fame exists because of your talent, absolutely. But your country has a lot to do with your fame. This gymnastics program has a lot to do with your fame. Your teammates have a lot to do with your fame. And I think that we can get out of whack with 
not ever wanting to go there by saying, you know what, you owe it to this person, or you owe it to this team, or you owe it to your country. And we're so afraid to say that. But this is an instance where I think, even if you went out there and weren't good, and you weren't completely emotionally invested, you started this, you went, finish the job. Do your best to win. Because if she goes out there, we saw it in qualifying. She's one of the top qualifiers, and she screwed up time and time again. It didn't matter because her Still degree of difficulty right. is so much higher than everyone else. She could go out there, be emotionally off, and still win the gold for Team USA. Not Simone Biles, but for Team USA. Let's get back to talking about what you owe your team and your country also. It's not just a one-way street with that. I think that she owed Team USA more than what she did today. I want to hear more still. I'm curious how NBC covers it tonight uh, in prime time. Because I read a really good story at Defector, which is old Deadspin, which is really good, where somebody watched yesterday's stuff live and said they really uh, overcovered the Simone Biles failures, failure, quote unquote failures, where she still, like you're saying, Chad, scored well despite her fail, uh, you know, shortcomings. She could have added a half a point here, a half a point there, and really helped them. But there were some mistakes made by some of the other women on this team that cost them, that NBC undercovered, didn't even show, didn't contextualize. Live, live you're saying. In the taped broadcast last night. So this person watched it live, saw all of that stuff. Then it was edited out of the broadcast that everybody saw last night that didn't give a full shape to last night's failures, last night's broadcast. I got you. Right? Putting more of it on Biles, which probably, you know, she doesn't know about, but kind of adds to the overall feeling. Here's, here's the contrast I want to draw. Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky, who has cause for mental strain today, in contrast, I think has an hour and five minute turnaround between a 200 meter race and a 1500 meter race, which are the two far ends of the spectrum, really. Not the 100 or the 50 being the shortest, but a sprint for her and a mile for her with an hour and five minutes in between to recover. That is some mental anguish and strain there. And Katie Ledecky, to me, is somebody that's doing this stuff with a huge smile on her face. (laughs) for America on a team that doesn't have any drama to it, the swim team, which I am universally impressed by. And I just can't help but imagine tonight when these are both on TV, I know what's happened with gymnastics. I probably won't know what happened with the swimming. And I just feel a lot better about the swim team. I I do too, Paul. And um, I I was having this conversation with someone today that, you know, there are you go back to the trophy, you know, the participation trophy generation and this and that. And I told them, I said, I watch the U.S. swimming team and I don't get any of that. I don't get a sense of any of that. They are all in. Uh, when they're doing the relay races, it is all in for they're Team USA. They're born the same month, too, I think. Biles they're very, you know, we saw it last month, night with, uh, with uh, was it Lily King yeah. and the girl from Alaska who won, immediately going and congratulating her teammate. Story. What a great story that was. I don't get that sense with the, with, with the swimming. I also... You have to take the bad with the good. Naomi Osaka kills me with this when we talked about this story. This was a girl who didn't want to go face media she didn't want to talk to, and she just didn't want to do part of her job that everyone else has to do because we know it's not a problem with public image. She's been on the Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover. She's the torchbearer in Japan. She's a, A Netflix documentary is out. When you do these things and benefit from it, there's the bad with the good. It's, it can't all be good. Simone Biles, 
because of her affiliation with the United States, and yes, because of her own talent, she's going to cash checks with MasterCard. She's, she's got endorsement deals. She's going to be, I'm, I'm sorry, Paul, but she's going to be talked about and dissected and picked apart way more than the fourth gymnast on the team. Michael Phelps, he dealt with this, and he had some, some psychological yeah, issues because of it. But that's all we knew from those Olympics. We all tuned in every night in primetime to watch Michael Phelps. But you have to take the bad with the good. I get it. Oh, I agree. It's got to be nerve-wracking to be called the best ever over and over and over again and have to go out there and deliver. That is a stress that only Olympians feel. You can talk about other sports, and they go through this every year, yes. But when it's once every four years, it's a different level of stress. I'm sympathetic to that. But I'm not sympathetic if it's a, I only want the good and not the bad. And I think there's a little <laughs> bit of that going on because, to me, some of the bad would be gutting this out, sticking with it for your team, for the United States of America, even if you didn't want to be there in the moment when you started. You still got to do it for your teammates, for your country. Again, I want to hear more, not just from her. I'm but with you on that. From, it's a from, weird story to even from, talk about from right now. From people familiar with it and people covering it. But when Matt LaFleur, the Packers coach, was here in Nashville, he wore a wristband and said, embrace the suck. And it was a military uh, slogan, right? Yep. And it, it, it was his reminder to kind of, and a, a lot of people do this. I'm not one of them. I, I, I'm really bad at this. But kind of like acknowledge that the bad part of the job is part of what makes the job good. That's exactly what you're talking about. And the question is, you know, did she fail to embrace the suck at, at a key moment? Because all these other people were talking about. Well, this is Katie Ledecky damn well embraces the suck of, of the, what it's taking. It's really the first moment. time that she's done this. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, part of the reason why she chose to make another attempt at the Olympics was to be the face and the voice for USA Gymnastics during a, a time of scandal and turmoil. And Which she was willing to just speak the truth on everything and take on that burden. She yeah, decided then to train every day, three times a day. Going, I mean, she, her story is remarkable. But pulling out after for, for mental issues, um, after not completing the first vault the way she wanted to complete it, goes against the spirit and mentality of the Olympic Games in general. Um, for for NBC, if NBC uh, skates around this, which I doubt they will, um, for the last couple of nights, the, the Russian male gymnast who is on one Achilles, literally, how many how many times have we been forced to listen to that story? Every time the guy's on the on the mat, or there are something? always stories like that, and like he's that's pushing the through. You know, there's it, that is the story of any individual Olympic figure, right? We, we grow to love them. This is the, the anti-Olympic spirit pulling out because you didn't perform something well, which is just that there are layers to it. But the surface level quote of just saying, you know, it's nothing physical. It's all mental. I just don't have it today. So you're just quitting? Like that's my initial response. You're, you're quitting? Yeah, that's the whole thing. You get that day once every four years. That's the day. You got to make it happen that day. You don't, you don't get a substitute And by the day. way, they lost gold by three points. Well, and it's, I don't think she's hurting herself if she goes out there. And, and even if she doesn't great. have it on that day, then and you she say, doesn't I perform didn't have well, it today. And let's say they still win the silver or they win a bronze. 
I think she gets a lot of respect when she just goes up and says, look, I didn't have it mentally for whatever reason, but I gave it my all and I owed it to my country and my teammates to go out there and try. I, I, I respect that statement a lot more than backing out after one event. And it's, we're really opening the door because of the majority of media and people's responses to these stories for this to happen more and more and more. And I don't like that because, Hutton, you said it, it's not why I watch the Olympics. This is not, the, the Olympics, it strives for a higher ideal of competition and unity and, and, and national pride You can also. be sensitive to it and still inquisitive about it, right? You don't have to, this is another one of those areas where it doesn't have to be all yes. one or all the other, right? I, uh, Chad and I have both said we want to learn more. I, I, I'm not. I, we don't want to be hypercritical right out of the gate. I want to know more about the context. I want to hear more from her about what she was feeling. I, I'm open to all of that. But I'm not going to say without question, oh, you know, she had some emotional trouble and she pulled out. Cool. I, I would feel the same way if Michael Phelps said the same quote. Or anybody, I mean, or anyone, any high-level like, Olympic, it would, they're, they're it would a be higher the, standard. It would be the equivalent of Michael Phelps running his first heat, yep. getting ready for a semi, where he qualified for the semi or he qualified in the semi for a final, and said, guys, I'm out. You know, even in a, in a, a, a relay setting or whatever, that you, that's probably even a better example. I can't do it. I I'm, I'm just don't have it today. I'm, I'm backing out, even though I've already started. It, it does go against... I do what think the I, I will mean. say I do, I do think there's a slight difference, a slight difference in a measured sport than a judged sport. Just a slight difference in in what you're talking about because Michael Phelps, no matter his emotional state, is still just racing a clock. But he's a teammate on Team USA, and we're talking about the team competition. Yeah. No, and if I he agree. goes to his teammates and says, "Guys, I just don't have it mentally today," you can go win it. Yeah, Michael, are you, are you physically capable? Yeah, I just don't have it mentally today. What's what's your response as a teammate in that point? Well, like, really, you're you're quitting, Paul? You mentioned the embrace the suck part of this. Simone Biles has done nothing but embrace the suck to get know, to this point. I, that, it's, I know it's, it's, it's an everyday grind to get to her level in that sport. Which I watch <clears> that sport, and that's one that I can't even comprehend the physical prowess it takes to do some of the things that these women are able to do, and the work it takes to do that. But you do that to get to the Olympics. To this, do this is moment, the, the thing. Moment. This is the to put it in an Americanized version, this is the Super Bowl that happens once every four years. You put in all that work to do that. And I, I understand, I'm sympathetic that it's hard and it's pressure packed. I always have been sympathetic to that, but that shouldn't lead to you backing out of a team event after starting that event and after joining the team and flying to Tokyo to take part in the Olympics. That's why it being so uncharacteristic, I, I can't wait to hear the reporting on, on more. Well, now it's now the reporting is going to be whether or not she's going to compete in the individual uh, and, and portions why, of this. And why she's able to, if she's yeah. able to. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree with you on this one thing, Hutton. I, I don't think NBC is going to be critical at all of her. I think, uh, I think it will be I'm over very the top to heroic that she shined a light on her mental issues. Wade Oliver on that. I don't think on, there's going to be one person on the NBC team that is going to say anything remotely critical you're going to get some criticism from uh, former gymnasts and some athletes that, that aren't in the sure. Olympics right now. There's going to be a lot of that. I don't think NBC uh, – NBC, first off, is praying that she participates yeah. 
uh, in the the uh, individual competition. I don't think NBC is going to be critical at all. Wade Oliver my in our in our YouTube chat says NBC will spin this into her overcoming difficulty. They'll ignore her abandoning the team. Yep. Well, that may well be true. Uh, both can be true, by the way. She can abandon her team and overcome difficulties for an individual sport that's yeah, coming both, up. Both can that's be. overcoming the difficulties is only if she goes out and participates right. in the in the right. individual. But I don't know how anyone could talk about overcoming. She could have gone out and failed today, right? She could have gone out and not done well and not been herself. To me, that would have been overcoming adversity in that you went out there when you didn't have it and you knew it, but you felt you owed it to your teammates. Well, the timing could have been opposite, too. Like, what if individual is going on right now and she dropped out of that and team was next and she was coming back? And it's just, it, it, but this goes against the, the storyline that she has portrayed over the last year and a half in every one-on-one interview that she sat down with in the lead-up to, uh, to the Olympic Games, which is she's not doing this for USA Gymnastics. She's doing this for the team that represents the United States going to be on the Team USA Gymnastics group. Who's showing up USA they're, Gymnastics. They're doing this as so. a, a very small group. They're not doing it for USA Gymnastics and what USA Gymnastics has stood for over the years. Correct. And, and to do one vault and pull out is against all of that mentality. Um, so if, if we're just aligning her statements together and then you read this quote, I don't know how you read into it any differently than surface level this is not great. This is not greatest of all time type stuff. She was allowing for this possibility with her initial quotes coming into the games. And then it happened. What, pulling out, you're saying? Yeah. With the quotes that you read off that she said about, you know, emotionally being there for the Olympics, it's almost like she was opening the door for her to quit at some point in these games. And now it happened. Yeah, but again, like, you, why put yourself through that toll? To, to uh, train, and even an extra year to train. Well, she certainly didn't see it coming. Yeah. Um, Rogers, Green Bay, they're together. What are the details of this contract that's going to be agreed to and signed uh, with uh, the revision of what it's going to be for the reigning MVP? We, we have thoughts on that, what it means for Green Bay, what it means for Rogers in the short and long-term future. Also, the short and long-term future of the SEC, the Big 12 and beyond, and an interesting quote from the new Pac-12 commissioner that should be listening more to shows like this one than the mentality of the Pac-12 of the past. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Olympic Games. Head over to FanDuel.com slash OK360. That is where you can bet $10 to get $100. You bet $20 to get $200 on your first bet. First bet on the Olympics. FanDuel Sportsbook, fanduel.com slash OK360. Again, great offer. Chad, you like to say when you see offers like this. What are you doing? If you're not taking advantage of this offer, it's a simple question. What are you doing? Go ahead and do it right now. $10, $20, $100, $200. Just use the OutKick code here, fanduel.com slash OK360, fanduel.com slash OK360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. NFL camps opening across the country today. Uh, that includes right here in Nashville. Coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour, we'll discuss what Mike Vrabel has to say, uh, plus some Titans headlines as we get into Titans training camp, which will officially hit the practice field tomorrow. 
uh, as players across the, the league are reporting, including Aaron Rodgers. PK, you have said from the jump that he was going to be in camp. He has arrived, and I still maintain that he's not arriving without some sort of victory. Is the victory for him, as simply, as simply put, saying, I'm out after this year, guaranteed, put it on paper, I'm signing my name to it? Sounds like, uh, you know, the best Schefter had was some sort of mechanisms to address his concerns beyond this year. Did you think of Hainsworth whenever this came out? Details will come out. So, so the details are he cannot be franchise tagged. But which, his deal runs, but his deal runs 20, past this year. 23. It, they have voided that year, though. So now yeah. it runs through 2022. But 2022 is still the year at issue with regard to Jordan Love, because right. they need to see Jordan Love in order to decide about the fifth-year option. Green Bay agrees to review his situation following the upcoming season. So this year, they will then get back to details of what has been a highly speculated departure. Joel Corey of CBS Sports, who does great work because he's been on both sides of contract negotiations, he says that by voiding the 2023 season on the contract, Green Bay has guaranteed to Rodgers, just by doing that with contract language, that they are committed to either trading him after this season or completely restructuring his contract after this season for a mega deal. It's one of the two. And many speculate that it's Rodgers saying, I'm not going to sign. You're going to have to trade me based on the contract language. And that's the, that's the solution that would be the win for him, in my estimation. One last charge with this team, which is a good team, and, and then let them move on. They drafted a, a number one quarterback uh, that, that, caused, uh, that was the, the linchpin of all of this controversy in the first place, right? That they drafted this guy, didn't give him more talent to work with, mm-hmm. and didn't communicate clearly with him what their plan was. Not that that necessarily would have been great, but... It was a failure on their part not to communicate with their MVP quarterback. Play this season out. Make your charge with your talented roster. Hopefully get past Tampa Bay or whoever else. Get to the Super Bowl. Get get your second one. Whether you do or you don't, then put a bow on it. You move on with your quarterback and you give him a chance to go somewhere else. Now, uh, how much say does he have and where he goes? How much... Uh, you know, all of those things still to be ironed out, right? I, I would think Denver is the team that wants him now. I don't think much is changing for Denver. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke are going to do much for Denver at quarterback. And I would think Denver will be at the front of the line for him after this season, like Denver appeared to be at the front of the line for him now. Yep. So I think in the Mile High City, uh, You're fans are waiting 17 games and hoping that uh, after this season is over, you have one of those trades like you had a couple times, the Alex Smith trade, where a trade is made well before the start of the new year, where it's official. then when it comes, you make it official. It's, it's officially Locke versus Bridgewater in, in Denver now. I mean, that, that, that's what this means. What the, an the, uninspiring competition. The competition is on. They're not getting Aaron Rodgers. It's also the official parts of this with taking the year off in 2023, the, the no trade clause type deal, all the stuff that Adam Schefter's reported now that we know about him coming back. There was something in the initial story about you know, other concessions made with management. And I can't help but think that with all of this drama this offseason, Aaron Rodgers seemingly has had some fun 
with this and the power that he's had in this whole thing, what are those other concessions? Because I would think it's in part, I'm not dealing with Brian Gudenkist. I don't know if it's a, you know, like a Nick Saban, no eye contact clause <laughs> or, or what it may be. But I, I mean, if you were Aaron Rodgers, what are the other things they're not publicly admitting that they've agreed to with Aaron Rodgers, where he has total autonomy from the front office, but I can't, and he's not like, dealing with the people he doesn't want to deal with. I can't help but think, though, that his approach going into this year would be no different than his approach last year with that. Like, if he didn't want to speak to Brian Gooden because last year, like, to me, you yeah, avoid him altogether this year, too. I don't know if that changes. You don't need much. to deal with the GM during the season. I, I mean, you really, as a quarterback, don't need to deal with the GM. Part of the concessions, it sounds like one of them is they're going to trade for Randall Cobb. Yeah, well, they're going back. to try to trade for Randall Cobb. Uh, Randall, but that, that was specifically mentioned, though. Yeah, well, um, uh, not Kenny Maine. Was it Kenny Maine? Kenny Maine tweeted that it, that it was, you know, Trey Wingo, maybe. Trey Wingo, sorry. But, but Randall Cobb last year had 38 catches for 441 yards at 11.6 average, three touchdowns for the Texans. The year before, 55 catches for 828. 15.1, three touchdowns for the Cowboys. The last year with the Packers, he had 38 catches. I don't know how hurt he was. 383, two touchdowns. I mean, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want to throw your weight around for getting a receiver, I understand you're familiar with Randall Cobb and you, you like him. I would have moved up the food chain, though. He doesn't, but I don't know what their cap space is like. Well, he just off. restructured and gave them cap, give them know, cap space to well, do some of these things. Right, but uh, I don't, uh, how got much, like 14, though? 14, yeah. I think. Uh, here, but here's the thing. Well, he likes Randall Cobb. I mean, he wants a guy that he trusts and knows and has, has played with before. Well, you can and do that's better why than it's, it's not about recent production as you can, much as familiarity. You can do better than Randall Cobb, I agree. You can't do better than what they did last year with the offense that Aaron Rodgers was running. Um, no, I mean, they averaged, no, they averaged three points per possession. Per possession, they got three points. That's best in the NFL. They gained five or more yards on 57% of their first down snaps. Crazy good. Now think about how there were two teams better. One of them was Buffalo. Uh, best offense in the league is what I'm alluding to here. The two teams had a better rate than 33% on first down. Green Bay and Tennessee. Uh, that's that's the high-level status that, that Rodgers was running with the receivers that he has opposite Devontae Adams. They scored on 39% of their possessions. That's best in the NFL. Terrific. They had the best time of possession per drive. So it's not like they're five plays and give it back to the defense. They went and scored on 39% of their possessions, and they, they led in time of possession per drive. He was sacked only 21 times last year. Um, they, they drafted two offensive linemen this year, second and fourth rounders. They have the best left tackle in football in Bakhtiari. Can, uh, the, they really, did get a receiver in Amani Rodgers. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, they, they bring back Adam. Adams is also on his swan song year, it's, it seems, although, again, the franchise tag can be used on him. Uh, but they have Lazard. They have, uh, you know, their, their, their tight ends. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's a mix and match when you look on paper and you're thinking, how are they leading the league in this category? And now you understand why, at no cost, was Gutenkus going to trade away Aaron Rodgers and just go with the future of Jordan Love. Because they can go in a Super Bowl with this group, and their defense also gets after the quarterback as well. Here's where I move if I'm Aaron Rodgers. I get off the GM. 
Mm. And he's had a good relationship with Lafleur, productive. But where I move, not in a negative way, but in kind of a good-spirited way, is to Lafleur off of this kicking the field goal at the end of the crucial game that didn't set them up into a, hey, let's be clear here. When we've got a chance to, to make the move at the end of the close game, it's got to be on me. And I, I've got to go. And let's be done with that. Well, you made your one big mistake in an in, in a early season, but from here to fourth, we got to be on the same page. That In, in a crucial situation like that, it's got to be on me. I'm going to have a little fun with this right now. Yeah. You know how the rock band has the specifications of green M&Ms only when they go play a venue? So yeah, they make sure the contract's being followed out. Uh, I, Aaron Rodgers, because he held all of the cards here with the Packers, I, I really like to <laughs> imagine him having something where Brian Gutenkist has to bow every time he sees him <laughs> in the facility. Or something funny like that. Like, there are so many things he could have done with this to embarrass Gudenkus and the <laughs> Packers. And I like to think of Aaron Rodgers because he's a little bit, he's got a little bit of an evil villain vibe to him at times, but sort of a sarcastic evil villain that he would put something in these concessions that were made that includes a bow or maybe a curtsy every time that Gudenkus sees Rodgers in the facility. All of this really is, is fine, this whole offseason thing. I mean, it, they're very good. They're a very good team. So, ultimately, these players that play with him on offense, that protect him on the offensive line, are going to be just fine with him waltzing into camp despite the offseason drama. Oh, absolutely. Because they know what's going on on the field. But it's, go it's going to wear thin when he sits behind the mic and doesn't say anything after everything that's gone on and all the questions of the offseason. So when he speaks for the first time, I hope it's impactful. I, 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 I hope there too. is some – it doesn't have to go into the drama and, and who you do, do and don't want to speak with. And you don't have to definitively say, hey, I'm, I'm out. This is my swan song year. But you, you do need to set up what led you back into the locker room after the immediate – press conference right after their loss – he talked about not knowing whether or not he would be back. Beautiful mystery. And Lafleur and everyone that stood up at a presser after their loss to the Bucks in the NFC Championship game and, and said, well, I hope he's joking because we're planning on Aaron Rodgers being back. From that presser to now, there needs to be some substance explained on what exactly went down and what led you down the path of being back instead of A, retiring, or B, just sitting out and, and, and forcing Green Bay to do something. I'm, I'm intrigued by just how, how he approaches this now, knowing that he's been the story of the offseason. He was the story of the NFL draft. Think about that. We had four quarterbacks taken top ten. He was the story of well, the NFL he, draft. If he, if he addresses it the right way and says enough, he doesn't have to deal with the he questions the bed. rest of the year. You can put it to bed in the first media appearance the, the, about everything and then yes. move forward. Please, please, A, do not pretend like nothing happened, and B, don't make it a joke like, like are you guys are really going to ask about this or, or like uh, just that it ties into the pretending nothing happened. But yeah. it, you cannot pretend like there's nothing to discuss. But well, if you're going to make it a joke, make Gudenkus bow to you. In the, in the contract. That's the type of joke that I want to see, but not with the media. But even in an interview where he really said nothing with Kenny Mayne, 
He they did mention that there were philosophical differences, and it's about the people within the organization and how you treat them and go about your daily. So, day how business. has that been solved? Exactly, resolved exactly. That that needs that part needs some substance and some background, and and hopefully we get some clarity. Because there. unanswered, that question looms all season. Whether you're going to talk about it or not, it's going to constantly be written about. But if you effectively give a paragraph on that now, you can quash that, and and that's healthy for the team. And you're smart enough. The whole organization, whether you're getting along or not, are smart enough to know. It's not healthy for this team to have a question about how we're getting along. Everybody probing on that all, all year long. And if we could say one good thing here about being at peace with substance to it that's believable, that, that's gone and people will pay attention to the football more. Coming up, what does a formal letter look like if you would like to join the Southeastern Conference? We have it for you from Oklahoma and Texas. It's not good. Plus the statement from the SEC as they will get together and meet and vote on Thursday. That's straight ahead. And we'll add in some facts and figures and, and some monetary points on what this means for the Big 12. But first, maybe you could write a formal letter and ask Chad and... PK and I, that you'd like to join us for a night out on Thursday night. Yeah, have uh, details. We Fax only, us. So we only accept uh, formal letters written by a typewriter <laughs> to be a part of this event. I'm kidding. You can slide in our DMs. You can message us. We're going to show you right now exactly what we're doing, where we're going to be. It's this Thursday night, 6 to 8 p.m., 6th and Peabody, Old Smoky Yeehaw facility. We're going to have a big time. we got free food for those VIPs on our list. Come hang out with us. Very informal. We're going to have the Olympics going on in the background. We're going to hang out. Uh, we're going to have a good time. So if you want to be a part of it, you can email us, 360 at outkick.com. You can message us on Twitter. You can mention us on Twitter. You can message us on Instagram. Let us know if you want to be a part of it. We have three spots available right now. So if you want one of those spots, if you want to bring a guest and want two of those spots, hit us up right now. Message us. Let us know if you want to be a part of this 360 night out again Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. at 6th and Peabody. Delicious drinks, delicious beers, and good times. Yeah. SEC headlines when we return on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. So what would it look like if you had to compose a letter and send it to Greg Sankey and the SEC and the member institutions asking to join the SEC. Well, here's how formal uh, they, they made it this morning for Texas and Oklahoma. This is a, a uh, request for invitations. Dear Commissioner Sankey, the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas at Austin request invitations for membership to the Southeastern Conference starting on July 1st, 2025. We believe that there would be mutual benefit to the universities on the one hand and the SEC on the other hand, and for the universities to become members of the SEC. We look forward to the prospect of discussions regarding this matter. Sincerely, and both presidents have signed the uh, document and they sent it to the SEC. So uh, this was the formal, uh, uh, please invite us. And then here's the statement from Commissioner Sankey that came out moments later. Uh, regarding the University of Oklahoma and the University of Texas, two esteemed academic institutions with storied athletic programs today submitted formal requests for invitations to become members of the Southeastern Conference in 2025. While the SEC has not proactively sought new members, 
We will pursue significant change when there is a clear consensus among our members that such actions will further enrich the experience of our student athletes and lead to greater academic and athletic achievement across our campuses. They go on to say that they need 75% of the vote, which is 11 of the 14 SEC schools. Chad says no worries on that. They're going to get 100% of those votes, including Texas A&M. Uh, here comes Texas and Oklahoma making it official today, and then they will meet, according to reports, they're meeting on Thursday to hold that vote. I know that kids today don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about passing notes in eighth grade because you text, but this is the equivalent of sending a note to the girl you like in homeroom saying check yes or no, will you go out with me? That's what Oklahoma and Texas just did with this letter. There's one difference. What's they that? know the answer before yeah. they send the, they to do. the paper. Yeah, there's not, there's I not only sent those of, notes if I knew the that's answer. That's right, yeah. That's, that's good. It's good to yeah. know. It's good to know. But th th they this know. is, it's going to be 100% certainty what the answer is going to be. And I believe it's going to be 100% certainty. It's going to be 100% of the <laughs> SEC will vote yes, and it will be a 14 to nothing vote because the SEC likes to have everyone vote yes or no on something before they uh, issue a public mm -hmm. whatever it may be declaration to what's going to happen. I know Texas A&M is still pissed off about it, and, and rightfully so in a number of areas, but they're going to have to get over it because this is where the conference is heading. This is where college sports is heading. Mentioned it earlier that there is a path by 2025 or 2026 when Texas and Oklahoma join that the SEC will make more revenue than the NCAA. This is the super conference. I don't think this is the end of the super conference and what's going to happen with some other places, but we're seeing the beginning right now. It's very, um, it's just, I, I understand the formalities that are necessary or whatever. It's very awkward to ask to be invited. Yeah. You know, you'll know as, as, as my thing, but uh, to ask to be invited is weird. You get invited. So I, I don't understand why once they're free of the big, big 12, you know, just invite them. They ask to be invited and then you and invite them. It's not how normal things work. Let me also say this. I saw Oklahoma State's president release a statement where it was very critical of Oklahoma, of deception, of I can't imagine a state university doing something that goes against the state of Oklahoma, and we would never do that at Oklahoma State. But they always end these messages of disdain with this over-the-top but Oklahoma State University Athletics is in the best spot it's ever been in. The Big 12 has a brighter future than ever. Don't give me that. You're saying this and you're so angry because you know your conference is falling apart. And you've been hurt. With Texas and Oklahoma leaving. So I'm tired of these statements all ending with, but we've never been more excited about the future of the Big 12 and our future in the Big 12. And we are committed with the eight remaining teams to make this the best experience ever for our student athletes. I know you're saying that to try to rally support. And, and maybe make the prospects of your fan base, bring them up a little bit, but stop with the charade so, of that. We all know what's happening in the Big 12. They're being gutted. All they have to do, uh, reporters, and I know this is a statement, but let's assume this is a press conference and that was the message that's delivered from Oklahoma State. The response is to pull a quote from the Iowa State Athletic Director from 2016. And uh, this is from Jamie Pollard, the AD at Iowa State. The Big 12 exists because we have Texas and Oklahoma in the room. If we take Texas and Oklahoma out of the room, we're the Mountain West Conference. That's from Iowa State admitting that. Now, further details, what's true, because here's why. 
their TV contracts with ESPN and Fox contain language that allows the Big 12 networks to reduce payouts if member institutions leave the conference. Texas and Oklahoma, according to Dennis Dodd, could represent 50 to 75% of total revenue for the entire conference. Right now, member institutions get $37 million per year for their TV revenue payouts, each institution. It could drop to $9 million per season, from 37 to 9. That's what they're discussing behind the scenes. And that's what they're not saying at Oklahoma State, is they're not going to get nearly the amount of money when Oklahoma leaves as what they had when they were staying. And that is why the Pac-12, and they should be thinking bold. They should be calling up the Big 12 and looking to merge. They should form their own conference, their own super conference, and own a, a huge chunk of the pie. Uh, it won't be the SEC. It won't be the Big 10. But you can survive. And both conferences right now are looking for just that. Uh, Paul, you mentioned earlier the, the Pac-12 commissioner, the new commissioner, is saying that uh, they're just going to bank on the fact that they're the only conference in America that uh, have that, that are on the Pacific and Mountain, Mountain time zone. zone. That's really something well, to bank great. on. Uh, the quality of your football is what you should be banking on. If the start time of really good football team, uh, games happens to be on Mountain Time or Pacific Time, people might find you. It works against the Pac-12 for most of America. That's why Pac-12 Heisman candidates, for example, don't get great traction a lot of the time is because unless they're playing premier games at Notre Dame or Michigan or against an SEC team, they don't get a, a hell of a lot of attention in the East where the majority of the population is. So I don't know if you're hanging your hook on the fact that you're starting at 10 Eastern is a great thing for you. And, and they need, the Pac-12 and, and, and Big 12 need to act. And, and the reason for that is the Big 10 is next up. Because the Big 10, Jim Delaney, a handful of years ago, was very smart in the length of his television contract. He signed a very short-term contract for the conference. It's a six-year deal, and guess when it expires? It expires after 2022. So they're about to re-up, and they can re-up by adding schools. They can go out and recruit schools, and you can also trim some, some of the fat off, too, if you wanted to as a conference at that point, and make your own power conference that they currently are in even more powerful for the long term as you become the have and the have-nots across college football. The TV contracts are going to mount, and the Big Ten and Kevin Warren, they're next up because of when their contract is, is about to expire and how they can go and recruit and then build more money on top of that. We've been talking so much about money and all these things being driven by money and survival on the athletic side. We haven't been talking a lot about the academic side. I do find it almost cute when conferences try to hold on yeah. to that last vestige of academia. And what we're seeing now with the Big Ten <laughs> is this whole insistence on you have to be an Association of American Universities certified institution to join the conference. And an AAU certified school, I'm reading the quote, earns the majority of competitively awarded federal funding for research that improves public health seeks to address national challenges and contribute significantly to economic strength while educating and training tomorrow's visionary leaders and innovators. The only two Big 12 schools that are AAU schools 
have both reached out to the Big Ten in separate reports. Iowa State and Kansas are the only two teams that classify. Oklahoma and Texas would also. They are AAU certified, but they're going to the SEC. So will the Big Ten add Kansas would be a great basketball addition? Hey, let me, let me Iowa State, a, a decent school. addition. Kansas is not the wrong school, but, but De Dennis Dodd points this out. Believe it or not, the, the money driver at Kansas is still their football program. Their football program it's makes crazy. more than their basketball program, if you can believe that. Even he points out in his column, he was stunned by this. But the Jayhawks football program brings in that much more revenue. Well, that's that's good for Kansas, or well, that's, that's huge. good for the football program, but it's not the it's still not the best of the football programs you could add. No, but it's in terms of the Big 12, I would put Oklahoma State, you know, Baylor maybe, you know, Texas Tech. Yeah. But that that's a group of teams we're talking about now that they could add. So, it's not the worst addition they could make. It's not the sexiest if you're the Big 10. But my point with all this is are we really going to sit here and acknowledge these old rules that you're only no. going to add AAU schools? <laughs> is the Pac-12 really going to be against adding a religious institution if it means survival? If you have to add Baylor and TCU to your conference in a merger, are we going to have someone standing on a desk saying, we will die before we allow a Christian university into our conference? Well, that will we never know happen. How some of these old white-haired dudes operate. I mean, some of these bowl games are still dictating how things work. So you want to talk about outdated. I mean, we know where some outdated thinking lives in college sports, and it's with big-time college football. They're not going to become cutting edge just because uh, Oklahoma and Texas have moved. Well, then they're going to be ruled by Greg Sankey. Yeah. Sankey's that, stepping that's, in. That's the alternative. Either you make this business decision and you can still have ownership, and you could still have agency over your leagues, or Greg Sankey is going to continue compiling a super conference where now the SEC will run college football. And I guarantee you, no one at Cal Berkeley, no one at Oregon, no one at Oklahoma State, no one at Clemson wants that to happen. Especially anyone in the Big Ten. I left them out of that. That's where we're headed if these other conferences don't evolve in their thinking a bit. And that's going to have to include... I don't know, maybe Big Ten looking at Florida State and Clemson or North Carolina or some other school that may not be AAU certified in order to keep your conference alive. One thing we haven't touched on that I would say that could really help the Pac-12 is just for the Pac-12's blue blood programs to get better and be consistently better. SC and UCLA need to get back to being SC and UCLA on a consistent basis, right? And then they could be like Michigan and Ohio. Well, not Michigan well, USC, right now, I mean, but Ohio State, right? USC needs to be Ohio State. You're looking at it from a wins and loss perspective. I, I'm viewing it from a brand perspective. USC is just fine. They are yeah, just fine. Oregon, yeah, but they'd be a lot better if they were appearing regularly in the final four. I, I would say Oregon is just it's fine. It's going to be a 16 now. Like Washington it, it, like is it's just It's a completely fine. different mindset now. It, it is, it, you're, it's not a final four. Right. We're, but get we're to about the final four. We're not about to. It's not going to be a final four. It's going to be a sixteen. -team I understand, tournament. but from the sixteen, if you get to the final four, it does a hell of a lot for your brain. But it does. They're 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 going to be the Big Ten would be smart to call the USC right now. Quite frankly, they should have the Trojans to their conference uh, because of where we're headed. This is not going to be some regional base conference anymore. This None is going to be come one, come all. And if you're a part of us, get get rich, get get wealthy. Uh, others will get rich, get wealthy, and, and get set up forever. 
because you're one of us. That, the SEC is not going to stop with Texas and Oklahoma. It's not ending with 16. And this is being looked at from the Texas, or excuse me, the Dallas Cowboys always being the most, the Forbes most valuable franchise, even when they suck. It is simply a brand a acquisition. So if I'm looking at yeah. brands in the Pac-12, I'm looking at USC, I'm looking at Oregon with the Nike affiliation, especially now, I'm looking at Washington, I'm looking past Washington State, I'm looking past uh, Cal Berkeley. You know, I know that's going to offend a lot of uh, the academic world, but there's other schools that I'm going after from a sports brand perspective outside of those schools. Arizona, Arizona State, where would they factor in to a super conference also is an interesting question. It's just, look, again, I find it somewhat cute that we're still talking about these old rules with conferences when clearly those old rules are out the window now with Texas and Oklahoma joining the the SEC. You're right. Uh, The curtain. It has uh, been raised across the NFL for camps. Mike Vrabel speaking with the media earlier today. We'll uh, discuss some of the comments made by the Titans head coach as the Titans begin practice. We'll give our thoughts next on OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.